I want to talk to you this morning about a message that I've not really preached, well, a subject that I haven't preached a lot on, but it's a very major subject, and it's a little bit of a subject that is kind of ignored a little, because there is some confusion about what it means. So this morning, I want to talk to you about a thing called hope. Hope. Uh, Hope, it is an amazing thing. It's a very powerful thing. Uh, When you have hope, it will provide energy, drive, a sense of future for you when you have hope. But when hope is taken away and you feel that there is no future, it it is just an overwhelming, dangerous place to be. And life can sometimes be so challenging and so in your face that hope can be hard to find. Am I right? So I want to talk to you about hope. This is only the second time I've ever preached a message about hope, which is crazy. Um, Oh, the men's thing. That's the other thing. I did want to say the men's thing. Um, Ladies, who who wants to have the best husband ever or future husband ever? How many people want to have a husband who's a rat bag? A pain in the butt. Well, this is your opportunity. If you send them to the men's steak night, they will come home a better man. So make sure, you know, get the old do the nagitis thing if you have to. Get them there. Anyway, I'm sorry I'm not, I'm not a woke person, but it's all good. Okay, so I want to base out of where we're going for the time, okay? I want to base my scripture out of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, very interesting, 11 through to 13. It's about love, but it also tags something about hope on the end of it. So, Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, without your word, the world would not exist. The universe would never have happened. We would never have been saved. But your word has created salvation for us. It has given us a sense of hope because of the power of what you promise in your word. And Holy Spirit, we need you to guide us this morning, to open our hearts up, to understand the power of hope. In Jesus' name. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, 11 through to 13, tail end of the chapter. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known, in verse 13. And now abides faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So it's quite, it's easily to miss out the aspect of the faith and hope because it talks about the greatest thing being love, which is it, which it is. It's talking about the agape style of love, the unconditional love that God gives us when we don't even deserve it. It's not a love that is earned. It's a love that uh, as disciples of, of Christ, we are meant to display to the world that we don't love because they love us, because there's those out in the world that don't love us. But we love this with the same love that God gave. That's why it's top of the priority. It doesn't say that God loves in that sense. It says that God is love. So the essence of who God is, is love. So love is at the top of the list. Uh, I've preached a ton of messages on faith. Faith is the ability to believe for something that 
is in a promise in the Word of God that has not yet happened. So faith is this ability to read something or hear through a prophetic message, you know, read something through the Word of God or a, a message or you hear a sermon or something and there's like this Rima moment, this moment when you think, well, God is speaking to me about that promise. So faith is the belief of that promise. See, faith and hope are different. And it's very confusing because people can tend to think they are the same, but they're not. Faith comes only by the Word of God. Can't have faith without the Word of God. Uh, Christian faith. Faith moves mountains. Faith calls impossible things to become possible. Um, Love. But hope. There's a guy named Brother Lawrence who said this. Many things are possible for the person who has hope. Even more is possible for the person who has faith. And still more is possible for the person who knows how to love. But everything is possible for the person who practices all three virtues. See, it's a package of actual maturity that God wants us to get to. He kind of, that's breaking down, and they are called the virtues of a Christian. If you want to know the theological understanding of faith, hope, and love, it's the virtues of Christians, of what Christians should be. That's kind of where you should be at. And then there's a whole lot of other stuff tied around it, of course. Faith, hope, love. The three, if you can harness the three together, I mean, without love, if you have faith and no love, it says you are wasting your time. Um, If you just love, but you don't have faith and hope, well, love is good, but you're still not got the full package. You're with me? And hope, again, is so, so important. It says this. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put aside childish ways. So it's trying to say in that uh, aspect of a say, so a child, the language actually means an infant or a babe or a simple, stupid person can mean that as well. So a child thinks a particular way. Uh, A child will act a particular way. A child will have a particular amount of understanding, but it is way lower than the understanding of someone who is mature. You understand? And so the scriptures here trying to say, look, you've got to start as a child. When you first meet Christ, you've got to start as an infant, but you're not meant to stay there. And the measure of where you are on the scale, uh, if you want to really measure where you are on the scale of your faith with, with God, then you've got to measure it by faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love are the, are the goals that we want to hit. And that's maturity. If you, if you are a mature Christian, there should be evidence, as Pekka said, of faith, of hope, and of love. You with me? Measure of maturity. Love, (coughs) agape love, faith, believe in God's word for what you don't yet see, and hope. What does hope? I'll give you a definition of hope. Hope is the ability 
to look ahead of where you are right now and believe that God has a good plan or a great plan for your life. Do you understand? Hope is the ability to, to wherever you are right now, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the difficulty that's going on, your world, on in your world, that not to be overwhelmed in such a way that you feel hopeless. That hope is this ability and maturity that in the good and in the bad, you have the ability to look forward and know that there is a good future for you. Hope. You agree with me? Am I making sense? And I know on my journey, uh, when it's going good, hope is not that hard, in a sense. But when trouble has come, or difficulties, or moments of hardship, uh, hope has been a very difficult thing for me to hold on to and maintain. Uh, And I've had to learn how to hold on with hope through the difficulty. Hallelujah. You see, you're not meant to be overwhelmed by life. Life will deliver trouble, challenges, difficulty, no doubt about it. Christianity is not an uh, escalator that transports you through, uh, over difficulty. Well, you know, it kind of misses difficulty. No, it takes you through difficulty. Christianity. And hope is a very important thing. Jeremiah 29.11 says... For I know the plans I have for you. We know the scripture well. Declares the Lord. God's saying, amen. And he's talking to uh, the nation of Israel who had been taken into uh, captivity in the Babylonian Empire. Many, many had died. Uh, Israel, uh, Jerusalem, the, the city of God had been uh, absolutely um, destroyed. And there was a remnant who was taken into the Babylonian, uh, to Babylon. And, and, and there was just chaos and loss all around them. And the difficulty had become so overwhelming that God had to touch the prophet Jeremiah to send these people a message that even though right now it seems hopeless, I want to tell you something about there's a plan for you to get through this. Hallelujah. You see, the Bible is the plan and full of the Word of God that gives you the pathway through your difficulty, through your trouble. Amen. Hallelujah. Folk. Hope, hope, there. Hope is this. Oh, I don't want to go there yet. Let's carry on. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Well, I like that one. Plans not to harm you. Sounds good. Plans to give you hope and a future. You see, hope is strongly connected to future for the Christian. You don't need hope today in the sense of to get through today, basically, really, kind of. Hope is this, you know, looking past the trouble beyond to the plan that God has for your life and seeing a good future. That's why Jeremiah was talking to them. I know the plans. There's a devil who knows plans and has plans to destroy you. But God's intention has never been to destroy you. God's intention has never been to make you feel, you know, like less than. God's plan has always been to give you a hope and to prosper you and to give you a future. 
Hallelujah. But in the midst of the storm and in the difficulty, it's very easy because we're looking at the storm and we can forget this promise. Hope. Children, parents, families. We went through a hopeless stage in our marriage way, way, way earlier on. And uh, we kept going because we held on to a sense that God would take us through. You with me? Hope. Didn't know how. Didn't have the details. Faith is a bit more about the details. But hope was the ability to think it, to, to see a future. Hallelujah. Doing the journey with our children and the difficulties at times when they were young and as they got older and when they went away uh, from God's plan. Hope helped us to look beyond what our natural eyes saw and believe the promises of God for in the future for our children. You with me? Hope for me as a minister has, has enabled me to get through the storms that happen when we do what we do and the disappointments and the discouragements and the mistakes that we make. But hope has kept me with a sense of future. Sharon, what are you laughing at? It's good. Hope. Hope for a future. There are some of you today, I feel so strongly that you have lost the ability to see ahead. That whatever's going on in your world, your children, you know, your businesses or, or your marriage or whatever, it's kind of trapped you and lied to you that there is no sense of future hope. Hallelujah. It's your lucky day. Romans 15, 13. Give me a wave if this is speaking to you. Give me a good wave of it speaking to you. That's good. It's good. I like waves. <laughs> Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of disappointment and meanness and harshness and judgment fill you. No, 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 no. Here's a description of God. Now may the God of hope. Friend, the God we serve, the Jesus that I met all those years ago, is not a God that's trying to destroy me. He's a God that gives me tremendous hope. Hallelujah. He hasn't changed. Even when stuff's going wrong, he hasn't changed because the Bible tells me there's no shadow of turning because he's not a man in that sense. He is the God of hope. So when you are feeling hopeless, I've got to tell you, that is not authored by God. That's either authored by you, maybe the influences around you, or the devil himself and his cronies. God does not make us hopeless. The danger that we are living in in the age that we are living in, there's so much hopeless messages coming out. And sadly, there are hopeless messages coming out some of the mouths of men of God. And it's all about the destruction coming. Friend, yeah, maybe that's going to come. But he's the God of hope. Do you understand? The God of hope. Thank you, Jesus, you are the God of hope. That thing that Pekka did this morning, 
Friend, there are evidence, if you've been doing the game for a while, you've got to have some evidence going on of his faithfulness and his goodness. True? Give me another way. Excellent. Then it says this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. Man, that is powerful. By the power of the Holy Spirit. See, he's the God of hope, but he's not kind of distributing it in a meager manner. Here, have a little hope. You know, here, have a speck of hope. The design of God is that we may abound in hope. The word abound means to have excessive and overflowing abundance of hope. I mean, doesn't sound like a bad deal. Doesn't sound like a bad deal. God wants you and I to be so full of hope that it just flows on out of us. And you know, the truth is, your mouth will tell how much hope is abounding within you. Because what you say tells us what's going on inside of you. Hope is meant to abound. You know, the message that we have to a a broken, hopeless world is meant to be a message full of hope. Abounding in hope. Full of hope. Because we represent a God of hope. You with me? The world ain't looking for us to take out a big stick and beat them up. The devil does that, fine. Everybody else does that to each other, fine. You know? We are emissaries of hope. I love it. Hope. When you are feeling hopeless, it isn't God's doing. When you can't see ahead with hope, it's either from you or the enemy. It's inside you, and you're doing it, or the enemy has got inside and playing with your thinking in your head. You with me? Because he's the God of hope. To abound, have an excess, superabundant. And it also uses the aspect of the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that hope may abound through the power of the Holy Spirit. That word power is the language that means dunamis, supernatural, miraculous. See, here's the thing. Situations can seem hopeless. But God wants you and I to carry such hope that is so overwhelming and so abundant that it is generated because we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit can turn anything into good. You with me? My little beauty. So God wants God is the God of hope. God wants hope to abound in us. If it is If you are feeling hopeless, friend, it can change today. Hope gives God pleasure. I love this, Psalm 147, 11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. You know, if you want to make God have pleasure, it says um, about faith, it says those that come to him must believe that he is a rewarder. 
of those who seek him. But when it talks about hope, it says hope will actually give God pleasure. Imagine that. You and I can give the creator of the universe, you know what pleasure is? Pleasure is when I look at my little, my little granddaughter there and I go, ah, look at that little beauty. Makes me feel good. You can make God feel good when you carry hope. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Excuse me. <coughs> the Old Testament um, definition of hope. Waiting, this is what it says in the Old Testament translation. This is put into English. Waiting for a positive expectation of the future. That's the OT of hope. Waiting with a positive expectation of the future. The New Testament definition of hope. Looking forward with confident expectation to the future, which includes a sense of waiting for it to happen. So hope is this capacity to think good's coming my way. Hallelujah. Good is coming my way. Amen, Libby. <clears throat> the dictionary, hope, a feeling or of desire <coughs> and of expectation <coughs> that things will go well in the future. All very similar, you know what I mean? Um, Romans 8, 28. Listen to this. And we know that in all things God works good for those who love him, who have been called according to his <coughs> purpose. God, this is, this is a scripture about hope. It says that whatever's going on, because I've been called by him, I know that this is bad and it's difficult and it's hard, but I know because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the supernatural work of God, that God can turn that bad and bring amazing good out of it. See, hope tells you that. I mean, how many times has God turned bad out of good? A good out of bad. You know? Heaps. Struggling with depression. Anxiety is a big deal in a society today. Um, it, is, it is an epidemic with depression and anxiety. It's epidemic levels, friends. Epidemic. And I don't know if that epidemic hasn't got inside the church and made the, the church contagious with it as well. You know? Because there's so much bad news. I watched a program on TV last night about submarines and about how Japan, uh, you know, China, whoa, he's coming down, he's going to smash us over. And the subs are no good. And the subs aren't coming to rescue us. And, and yet, listen to it, and it's all bad news. And then I listen to the news about the climate, and oh, whoa, whoa, the temperatures are gonna, we're gonna cook. And, uh, you know, the economy and the interest rates, and blah, 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 blah.
The world does not need you and I to contribute to the hopelessness. Do you understand? There is a harvest waiting for hope. My definition of hope, because I just want to give one. I'm confident my future is in Jesus and God has my back and has plans better and bigger for my life both on this earth and on the other side of eternity. Hallelujah. Proverbs 23, 18, for surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. You know, I'll give you some news, you're going to die one day. You know, not too soon, I'm hoping. Who said that? What would you say, Chris? Hallelujah! I'm getting old. And, um, you know, what's uh, ahead in a sense in this life is, you know, kind of stuff. But, you know, I made a decision a year or two back I just because uh, I dealt with someone who had a real fear of death. And I just thought, you know what? I am determining not to fear death. Don't want to die yet, for sure. But I'm not going to fear death because my hope is for one day I'm going to be with Jesus. And that ain't a loss, man. That is the best win ever. Amen? Amen. Anybody enthusiastic to die at the moment? I know you would, Libby. You'd love to go to be with Jesus. Well, you can't because you ain't done with you. Now, I want to talk to you about a weapon that enables you to obtain hope. Hebrews 6.19. Can I have another wave or am I, if this is going all right? I feel like, you know, Professor. Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary beyond the curtain, relating to the Old Testament stuff. So it describes hope. It uses as it the metaphor of anchor. An anchor. What does an anchor do? Very interesting. Me, I used to do a lot of fishing in NZ. And uh, we would get out in the currents, and they would be sometimes pretty serious. But to, in order to get on to the fishing spot, we had an anchor. Out it went. And even though the current was pushing super strong, and even though the wind might be blowing contrary, that we were there to catch some fish. And you see, we could have floated, but we knew that we needed to get on the spot and stay on the spot because the anchor was the means to give us stability to catch the fish. I've got to tell you, the church needs to understand. It needs to throw its blooming anchor out. Because the church in general is so pushed around and so frightened to be who it's meant to be and talk about who we're meant to serve, it needs to throw its blooming anchor out because there's meant to be some fish that we're catching. You understand? Anchors, again, are interesting things. Anchors are incredibly important for a boat in a storm. 
Because the more often the boat goes out, the more likely the boat is going to hit a storm. And you know, even big cruise liners and big old boats, no matter how big they are, they still need at times to rely on an anchor to give them stability. And in fact, even in some storms, they allow the anchor to drag behind them to just slow them down and not be pushed so far. You see, anchors in a storm, that's what he's trying to talk about here, that anchors and hope are what hold you through the storm. Lots of ministers give up and they lose hope and they don't throw their anchor out to stabilize them and hold them in the position where God wants them to be. Hallelujah. Lots of Christians, when the storm comes, they don't even know they got an anchor. You know, anchors usually sit in the bow of the boat. <clears throat> and the ba- you don't need the anchor. It's nice, you sit it there and you don't need it until the storm comes. Now, you would be dumb if you just let that storm push you around and you never got hold of the anchor that was sitting in the bow of your boat. That you, All you needed to do, baby, was throw that anchor out. And yeah, the storm would blow and the, and the currents would be, you know, but you would be, you would have stability. You hear what I'm saying? Brooke, are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not picking on you. I'm just watching, making sure. Storms test the strength of your anchor. There are boats that have little anchors. And the anchor is not big enough for the size of the boat. Do you know that? I have learned on my journey as I've done the stuff that I've had to grow the size of my anchor. Because the boat has gotten bigger. And the storms have gotten more powerful. And I've had to learn that I've got to rely on a bigger anchor. Because I've tried at times to use a little baby anchor and it's just pathetic and useless and weak and does nothing. You with me? Anchor. Anchors keep a boat stable in a storm. Storms come, but hope anchors the Christian to the promises of God. Do you hear that? Anchors anchor you to the promise of God. Just like I said in Romans 8, 28, my anchor at times has been, God, this is crazy. This is big trouble. I don't know how it's gonna, we're going to get out of it. But God, you said in Romans 8, 28, that you're going to turn bad to good because I'm called by you and because, Lord, I'm one of yours. Hallelujah. And friend, I've got to tell you that anchor is held because it's locked into that which is not temporary but eternal. You with me? Is this too, too whatever? Anchors are essential, and that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when it said faith, hope, and love, and that they are the virtues of mature Christians, that friend, you can have love, and that's beautiful, but friend, you've got to have faith, but you've got to have some hope. And you don't use hope generally unless you're in a real bad storm. Do you know what I mean? Trouble is, we forget. Storms will try to destroy you, but hope gives you a future. I like that. It's quite good. Proverbs 13, 12. 
Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Think about it. Hope deferred. The word deferred actually means this. It means to have been dragged away. When it's talking about hope deferred, it means that hope that has been dragged away from you. It's not near you. You're not carrying it. it it's just taken away from you from whatever reason. It means to pull away and to take away. Note the consequence for a Christian who allows hope to be deferred or taken from them. Because we give in to it and we let hope go. Hope deferred makes your heart sick. Sick hearts. Now, I'm not a very clever medical person, but I know that a sick heart ain't good. In fact, it can be terminal. You with me? Why did... See, he's, the, the, the proverb writer, Solomon probably, is trying to get people to understand that um, if you let go of hope, you're going to get a sickness in your heart. You're not going to be healthy, and it's talking about your spiritual heart. Do you know that even hope taken away mentally affects people, but physically it can then affect them as well? Crazy. But God has given us hope. Better finish. <clears throat> sick. What does it mean to be sick? Ill, diseased, weak, and to faint. Now I want to talk to you about just one last scripture that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus um, was kind of the center of a bunch of churches in the land of Turkey, basically. And um, there was trouble brewing and there was a whole lot of stuff going on. And, you know, the, um, the Romans were being a pain in the butt and all that kind of stuff. And Paul has this word for them. I'm only going to take a little of it because there's a whole package in it. But it says this in Ephesians 1 verse 18. I pray, this is the Apostle Paul, that, your, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. See, there was darkness and they needed to have their eyes of their heart enlightened. Light needed to come because darkness somehow had got inside their hearts. And Paul was trying to say, man, I'm praying for you that there's going to come some light into your mind, into your cardia, in order that you may know the million bucks God's going to give you. No, the hope. They had lost some sense of hope, of hope. You know, young people trying to survive in the world that we live in, you know, on the pressures of how am I going to get a house? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Friend, it is chaos, chaotic out there, but I've got to tell you, there's someone bigger than the news that you need to lock your anchor in and who's going to turn bad to good because he's supernatural and he's not governed by natural laws. He is, I've got to tell you, so many times I've seen so many miraculous things happen not because I'm woo-hoo-hoo, because, friend, I've anchored to a promise of him because he is the one. Paul said, I pray that your, the eyes of your heart, I ain't talking about that one, it's talking about your inner person, 
your cardia, your mind, your body, your soul, the, the control mechanism within you, where your thoughts take place. <clears throat> that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Called. I took it out of my notes. Never mind. See, God hasn't called you. Go back to Jeremiah 29. It was chaos for the, people, the children of Israel. But he's trying to get them to know, hey, look, trouble has happened and all that stuff, but I've got to tell you, man, I've still got a calling on you, and I've got this plan for hope, and it's a good one. And he's trying to tell us today, and the church on this planet Earth today, that it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's been some crazy history, but the anchor has never changed. The answer has never changed. It's him and his promises. Jesus, the word, became a man and dwelt among us. And the word of God, the Bible, is so full of promises of hope. But if you don't read it, friend, you're not even going to have an anchor. If you don't pick up your Bible and give it time, you should. If you don't, friend, you, it's, it's all about the anchor. I'm going to pray as Paul prayed that prayer today over us. That God would breathe light and, and, and bring light into our understanding within our minds about the wonder of the hope that is in Christ because we're called. That's good. I reckon it's good. Can we get? Can I have a wave? You think it's good? Excellent. Can we close our eyes? And you remember I said to you earlier on of that thing about, um, Lord, I surrender. I make room for you, man. It is the best thing. It is the best thing to let go of your control and lock into Him. Father, I thank you that you are the God of hope. And God, your desire is that we overflow with hope. God, that we so overflow with hope that the world around us are attracted to us because in a hopeless situation, they see that we carry hope. And I love, Lord, that the things of you are light. That hope is light. And in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now for light to flood the minds of each and every person in this place and listening to this. Flood light. Open minds to the hope you have for each person here. And Holy Spirit, sent to bring power, do your work in each life, I pray. In Jesus' name. And while your eyes are closed, I just want to give an opportunity for somebody who maybe has never made a decision to invite the hope of the world, Jesus, into their lives. If you have never, ever done that, friend, you need to do it because you are missing out on the hope of the world. And if you've never done that, I had to do it a long time ago. In fact, I do it most days. I still say, God, I want you. 
But if that is you today and you have not made a decision to follow Jesus, the hope of the world, he is, your, he is the answer to your struggles, to your hurt, to your pain. Then I just want you to raise a hand so that we, I can pray a prayer with you. It's all good. All good. <clears throat> so where's the church going to pray the prayer together? All good? See that hand? At the end, we can do that, Chris, 100%. Yep, we'll do that. Close our eyes. <clears throat> I just want you to follow me in a prayer. Lord Jesus, today I declare you are the hope of the world. I ask you that you would be my hope. Forgive me for my sins, for doing what I want, I bend my knee to you today and make you my Lord. Wash me clean from my sins. Enlighten my mind with the hope you have for me. In Jesus' name. Amen.